Hello everyone, this is Art Gelwix, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Being Productive. Since we're all about being efficient and effective at work and at home, let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Art Gelwix again. I know it's been a little while since I've been recording, so I wanted to get back in the swing of things. Today we had an excellent recording of a breakdown of a book called The Myth of Multitasking by, I think it's Ben Crenshaw. If I got his name wrong, I'll have to correct it in the comments. Uh, but basically what it comes down to is he provides this situation explaining how, as the title says, multitasking is a myth. And this was recorded on Productivity Cast today and it'll be out in a few weeks. Uh, so I won't go into detail as to what was on the show because, honestly, you should listen to the show episode. But I did want to follow up on some thoughts that came to me as we were recording the show. One of the things about this multitasking myth is this idea of pushing it onto other people making other people think that they need to be responsible to do multiple things at one time. And just because they've had something delegated to them or delegated on them in many cases, that that means that they can accomplish that feat. And that's totally a fiction. That is totally nonsense. There is nothing about a task that has been given to you that empowers you to be able to do it the same time as another task. It doesn't change the core dynamic of this multitasking myth. So no matter how much stuff we pile on ourselves and have other people pile on top of us, there's only so much we can do at one time. And if we want to do it effectively, which is really what we should be focusing on nowadays, we, we talk a lot about being more productive and being productive and heck, the show name is even being productive. But it should really be focused on being effective, doing the right things at the right times in the right ways, instead of trying to do as much as possible. When we start to think about these things that are piled on top of us, well, we have to give ourselves the ability and the option to back up a step and say, look, you know what? There's only so much I can do at once. What's the most important? And if you have the ability to make that determination, or if it's somebody else making that determination for you, that's going to vary based on your own situation and often within the situation itself on any given day. But at its core, and I think probably the most important part, is we have to realize again that we can't do multiple things at one time. We think we can. We buy into this baloney narrative that comes out for so many people. But we can only do what we can focus on at any given time if we want to do it effectively and do it well. If you don't mind doing it half-assed, great. Try and do eight things at one time. You may get two or three of them accomplished and you're not going to be proud of any of them. There's not going to be any pride in your work. And that's something that I think we've lost. We've lost contact with that part of being productive people. We're ticking boxes, we're checking lists, we're going through and doing, making the motions. But we really don't have that sense of craftsmanship around our work. And I think a lot of that has come too from the fact that when we've moved to information-based work, uh, 
it's hard to have that sense of craftsmanship, that sense of polish. I mean, I'll use the analogy if you think about like a cabinet maker. I've been taking some time and re-exploring uh, my woodworking hobby that I had years ago. And I'd gotten away from it quite a bit for various reasons, most of them time-based. Uh, but I've started exploring it a little bit more and going back to truly hand-making things, not running power tools, not running power sanders and bench saws and things like that, but taking out a hand saw, taking out a hand plane, and literally making things in a slow, methodical, precision manner that forces me to truly focus on what I'm doing. And it has reinstilled in me such a passion for being able to do that, to be able to put time aside and just do the work rather than trying to worry about how many of this thing am I going to be able to get out the door in X amount of time. Now, I know there's a lot of types of work that you need that velocity of productivity, for lack of a, a better phrase. But I don't know that we necessarily need that in all cases. I don't think we even need that in most cases. What we need is the opportunity to be able to, to truly deliver things that we have pride in, that we know we've done our best work. And if challenged, we are comfortable with that, that, yep, this is the absolute best I can produce right now and move on to the next thing. I don't think we have to give ourselves the extra burden of meeting the expectations of velocity of others when we're not even meeting our own expectations of quality. So long story short, it was a good, excellent episode recording. Uh, it's always a lot of fun to go through and, and hash through these types of topics, especially on a morning when you're not totally in the mindset or the mood to do something like that. You're just, <laughs> for me, when you're just a little bit grouchy, uh, because it forces you to be a little bit more pragmatic and a little bit more critical of the ideas and not just buy into them in and of themselves. So I do encourage you when that episode comes out on Productivity Cast, it's about, it's called The Myth of Multitasking. Uh, please give it a listen. Uh, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts, thoughts are about it. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably trying to find ways to be more productive. If so, there's a place for you called The Idea Pump. Now, there's hundreds of articles about productivity, tools, techniques, and strategies to improve your productivity, and they're all available for you on either the web or your mobile device. Stop over at theideapump.com and find some ideas on how you can do the right things at the right times in the right ways. Remember, it's theideapump.com. So for the second topic of today, I'm going to climb back on my soapbox for this one. And this is a challenge that I've been seeing for a number of years. And it all comes down to the elimination of unnecessary meetings and replacing them with collaborative technologies, collaborative platforms. And I'm not quite sure why this is so difficult, but it seems to be a huge challenge for so many organizations. 
let's take, for example, the regular status update meeting. We've all gone through this. We've all sat through these types of meetings where you may have four, six, eight, 10, 12 people used to be in a conference room. Now everybody's in a virtual space. And the only thing that you're doing is literally walking through something that everybody could read on their own. Uh, they could read it separately. They could go through their individual review. It has no productive benefit whatsoever. Now, if that meeting is about discussing that information, well, that's a different thing entirely. But that means you come to the meeting prepared. You don't go through and you don't review the numbers and you don't walk through step by step by step. You come to the meeting and say, okay, you've all had an opportunity to review the content. What are your questions? What are the points that we need to discuss and hash out right now? Now, I know the normal response is, yeah, but nobody ever reads this stuff. Well, maybe that's the inherent problem. If you can't expect people to have that level of professionality to be able to go through and read your items and read the content that you're providing so that they can come to a meeting prepared, sounds like you need to call them out on it. So this is where collaborative technology comes into play. And I'll use, for example, one of the really common tools that a lot of corporations are leveraging right now, Microsoft Teams. Teams itself is viewed in many cases as an equivalent tool to something like Zoom for video conferencing and for meetings and such. And that's what it's become. But it's so much deeper than that. And its value is actually much greater than what you have using a video conference. Because you have the ability to have discussions in an asynchronous mode, be able to post chats, public chats, where an entire team can see and interact over a period of time, there's a huge amount of value to that. Not only that everyone is kept in the loop, but it's also much more time sensitive. Now, one of the reactions that you'll see to this is you'll get into in-depth discussions, back and forth, hashing through a topic, and then eventually somebody will back up and say, oh, wait, this, this needs to be a meeting. Well, does it? Are we not accomplishing what we set out to do by having this interactive back and forth in this public venue? Is this truly a problem to have of all of this written out? It's not making anybody work slower. It's not less efficient. And if anything, it's providing a written documentation trail of the discussion and any agreements and any concerns and counterpoints. Now, yes, there are points you may get into where emotionality creeps into play. And there's certain points that you can lose the professional narrative of the discussion and you wind up having to take it away from the written word. But I'm going to make the argument that that's a rare case as compared to just the ability to have these discussions out in this type of a semi-public forum, just within your own teams and your own groups, the value derived from that is significantly higher than the risk you have of discussing something that may be, you know, unpopular to the common group. You still need to have that conversation. You can't hide from it. And if the mindset is, is that we're going to discuss it in a meeting just so there's, and I hate to say it this way, just so there's no record of the actual conversation wording that occurred, 
Well, then it sounds like you have a deeper problem within your organization. So if we take time to go through and start to utilize these tools and start to work with them and get comfortable with them, be able to post a topic and respond to the topic and work the narrative of that thread to a conclusion and store those threads for later reference, I think one of the things that we start to see is that people engage in the conversations more and it's easier to tell when they're not engaging. You can, through a tool like Teams, for example, you can mention an individual. You can mention a, in their parlance, a channel, a topic. And that drives that notification to those people. So it's clear to everybody else in the conversation that you've directed something at that person. They receive that notification. They're aware that it's been directed to them as well, and they can respond accordingly. If they fail to respond, honestly, that says just as much as responding in and of itself. And these are the types of tools that we have available to us that can actually be stress reducing rather than the stress induction that we're getting from the video chat world of meetings that we've come to. I don't know how many of you have, have encountered this as of late, but since last March, the number of meetings I'm in has skyrocketed, absolutely skyrocketed. And part of that is because you can now schedule meetings back to back to back to back to back. There's no physical movement necessary. I don't have to get up out of one conference room and go to the other end of the building. So I don't have that gap. I can literally run a meeting right up to the start time of another one and then flip over into that other meeting. That by no means is a good process. It's convenient because I don't have to wander around, but by no means is that a healthy transition. I don't have an opportunity to literally spin down my brain from the previous meeting and spin it up for the next one. Heck, in many cases, I don't even get a chance to get out of my chair. So when we think about this, this world that we've now moved into where we have these virtual meetings that don't require physical transition times, we have to be cognizant of the fact that we still need those opportunities to split time up, to be able to focus and reset, to spin down and spin up again for the next topic. Uh, not to get too far into it, but I've even seen the development of an extremely bad habit with people where literally they will attend more than one meeting at a time. They will have a chat for one meeting going while they're attending the video conference for another meeting. And honestly, if you've ever been in a conference room meeting, would you literally sit in there on your phone in another meeting while you're attending the first one? That behavior would never be acceptable in any, any segment of the imagination. And yet it's becoming, I hate to say it, the norm. This is not right. We cannot do this to ourselves. So while I stand here upon my soapbox, we can only mitigate this thing by example. We have to say, look, I've got a meeting until 1130. I can't take my next one till 1145. I'm sorry. I need some time to switch between meetings and push back on it. And sometimes you're going to get pushed forward on it and say, look, you don't have a choice. This is when the meeting is. 
It's not going to be an easy thing to accomplish. But we have to recognize the fact that especially in the world we are working in right now, the only people who are going to defend our well-being are ourselves. And if we do not do this, no one is going to take care of us. No one is going to be concerned about it until it negatively impacts our productivity. And if I go back to the beginning part of this podcast and we think about this myth of multitasking, well, how many virtual meetings do you sit in now where you're not really paying attention because you're working on something else? That's not effective. It might be productive. You might be getting a meeting in and delivering something else, but I guarantee neither one of those is up to the level of what it should have been if you had been able to focus and concentrate. So I'll get off my soapbox now, but just think about it. Next time you get roped into a whole series of meetings, ask the question, does this really need to be a meeting? Thanks for listening today. If you found this interesting and useful and you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe to Being Productive on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you'd become a supporter of the show by using the link in the show notes. Also, please like and share this and other episodes so we can help as many people as possible in being productive. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.